They're all saving one, or most of them, most of the Hampshire fielders are saving one. Somerset need one run. It's Edwards to Hildreth. He's there and bowls Hildreth, and he gets the run away through the onside. And Somerset have won. They've won the Royal London One Day Cup. Hello, you're listening to Always Look on the Bright Side of Life. This is the Somerset Cricket Podcast. My name's Ian Shepherd, and joining me this evening, I've got Steve Tancock, Somerset CCC digital guru Ben Warren, and the voice of cricket on BBC Radio Somerset, Anthony Gibson. And it gives me great pleasure to announce, well not announce, you obviously know this already, that Somerset's losing streak has come to an end with a bang, uh, beating the county champions Warwickshire at Taunton by the small matter of an innings and... 82 82 runs Anthony saved me the embarrassment of not remembering what the final score was and having to look it up on my phone Uh, that's East Somerset what we 8th now in the table gone up 2 places Uh, I think every other game in Division 1 was a draw including what looked like an absolute road up at Gloucester where they hosted Surrey but it all came together and wasn't it glorious Ben, we'll start with you guesting today. A reciprocal arrangement after you very kindly allowed me to. Uh, well, it was a good start when I called uh, uh, called Harry Eric Sam Dalling my first uh, my first stint in the commentary box. But I guess uh, along with Anthony, you would have seen all of those firsthand. And well, it was pretty good, wasn't it? Yeah, pleasure to be back, Shep, and uh, yeah, pleasure also to have you on comms for, oh, you're uh, for too a couple kind. of those. You're too kind. On. Um, <laughs> On, on Saturday, yeah, no, um, fantastic, fantastic win, wasn't it? You know, everyone contributed. Um, it was just great to see, um, great to see the boys back bounce back. Um, thought it was a great pitch. Um, I thought, mm. thought I should give credit to, to Scott Hawkins. Um, the pitch, I was, I was pretty convinced after Somerset had racked up 450 that we were going to see, we probably were still going to be here on Sunday evening. But um, yeah, credit to. Credit to the Somerset attack, I thought they just found enough out of the surface. And I think what was really encouraging was that, um, you know, traditionally the pitches do get better at Taunton, but they're still, even on that third evening, was just about enough in it for Jack Brooks and, and, and the Seamers. And we saw, saw Jack Leach just turn a couple out of some footholds, which was uh, which is really nice to see. You know, the, traditionally the spin has been early, if it has been present it it, it it taunton so um so yeah a, a really great three days and and yeah special mention to uh to scott and his team for what i thought was a was a much much um it was a really good pitch for four-day cricket it was um one thing that i thought is a f- quite a few of the warwickshire batters gave their wickets away particularly second innings there was a, a, f- a few loose shots there in particularly the, the coup de grace if you like of uh uh, Lamb trying to launch one over the retirement flats when they had about was it forty five uh, a bit longer than that but it wasn't inconceivable okay they they only had one wicket left but you know they could potentially have still batted out for a draw but if you try and <clears throat> if you're trying to <clears throat> sorry excuse me if you're trying to smash Jack Leach uh, a length ball from Jack Leach uh, into the retirement flats it looked very very ugly but my point was going to be before I started uh, going down that little cul de sac. They played some bad shots, but that was in the face of some relentlessly tight bowling from the Somerset bowlers, Anthony. 
It was backed up with some superb catching as well. I mean, that was the other thing. We didn't we didn't drop anything, and some some of the catches were absolutely uh, spectacular. Uh, and it does make such a difference, you know, lifts the bowlers. And and, um, and uh, I th my favourite moment in the Warwickshire second innings was when they put um, Craig Overton at leg gully. You know, the most obvious, <laughs> the it, most it obvious leg gully, track was it? Ever... it was It was weird. It, it was kind of like a... Well, it was... It was a bit it was, short. It was almost like a deep... Deep backward square. A deep... Short Deep square leg, or a very short, short in square leg that wasn't. It was an odd position. I mean, if you have a look at the live stream, you, you'll see what we mean. But it was, and it well, it worked, didn't it? I'm not sure who's, who's, who's <laughs> idea. Whose idea was that? It, it, Tom Mabel said. Renshaw. Tom Mabel Renshaw. Gave it to Matt Renshaw, didn't he? Renshaw. Yeah, he said. Yeah, definitely. Definitely, it was Matt Renshaw. And um, and you know, Sam Hain <laughs> fell for it hook, line, and sinker. Which was extraordinary because he's quite an intelligent cricketer and, and a formidable obstacle, and and there he was gone. But um, no, I thought it was it was great all round performance. I mean that's that's the, that was the important thing. Mm. The batsman got some runs, you know, some serious runs, despite that you know typical mid innings collapse. You can't have a Somerset hit first yeah, innings four with for the seven. Yeah. a collapse of some, some sort. But uh, it, that, they were bailed out by you know eighty five for the last two wickets. Four hundred and fifty was was um, you know a more than useful total. And I just you know I just thought it was a really good all round performance. It's the first match we've won for exactly fifty one weeks. It was May May, <laughs> May the ninth last uh, it was a Saturday. May the ninth was my birthday. I remember it at the Aegeus Bowl when we beat Hampshire, and that was the last match we won. So was that uh, the Somerset have won? No, they haven't, Anthony game. It was. That's it? right, it was, exactly. Yeah. Spot on. <laughs> yeah, because we, we kind of front-loaded our group stage in the in the championship last we year, did. didn't we? we? We sort of won the games and then uh, there was... Then settled for it. Yeah, settled Hampshire it. at home was kind of, oh, it was that, do we want Hampshire to draw and possibly go through or do we want to beat them? So that one kind of... We would have beaten the Gloucesters if it hadn't been for the weather, I think. We would have done. Up at Bristol. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we had a, re a really good game then. But after that, we sort of settled for a draw. We settled for a draw against Hampshire. We settled for a draw against Leicestershire. And we settled for a draw just against, against Surrey, despite collapsing in the sixth for sixty-nine. So yeah, it's great. To, it was great to see Tom Abel with a smile on his face at the end of the four-day championship match. I was just so pleased for him, and he, and he batted so well, and he captained them well, and it was you know. It was just great. To he see. looked about three foot taller in that interview yeah. I saw on the on the socials on the website. He just looked like he had the weight of the world lifted off his shoulders, which was, is great to see for Tom. And Steve, after seven matches of <laughs> blog posts, uh, really kind of <laughs> regurgitating the same stuff. So fair play to you for keeping those interesting. But we've yeah, got our I Somerset back. Do you know the thing that struck me? It was it was Steve Kirby's comment, and it's something I'd never thought of in all my years before. When he said to Anthony on Friday evening, "You have to allow the opposition partnerships, or accept the opposition are going to have partnerships." And that time on Saturday afternoon, when Will Rhodes and Sam Hain were batting, I kept thinking that and thinking that's a really good mentality. And I think it proved, you know, that they didn't give up they kept if you looked at the run rate in that spell it was barely two and over for an hour and a half and you know as 
as we all know, a bit of scoreboard pressure, even though that time horizon was probably shifting because of the weather forecast. And I thought that was really interesting that they didn't panic. They just kept rotating the bowlers. And then, you know, the bats, a batsman made a mistake and, you know, do unto others as is done unto ourselves then because we took four wickets in the blink of an eye. I think it was about 15 or 20 minutes and there was four wickets gone. And that was pretty much it done. And I thought that was a really mature bowling display as well as an incredibly skillful bowling display. And, and who's, who can't, after all he's been through, who can't love Jack Brooks and those celebrations and those, that. That was such a, you know, it, it, it would have been lovely if it had been Craig or Lewis or Josh doing it. But for him to do it and perhaps get a little bit of a psychological monkey off his back, I think was really important going forward. And now, of course, if Peter Siddle's back in the side, we've got potentially a really delicious selection problem at Bristol next Thursday. Well, yeah, Brooks spoke very candidly in the interview we did um, post-match, saying that um, you know, he you know he knows he's not a shoe in in this side, but you know still believes he's got a role to play. And you obviously not being there, Steve, it, Anthony, but it was incredible that little period of play. What kicked it off was Craig Over and Matt Renshaw were just mucking about in the slips basically and they started started clapping their hands as in to say you know the slow hand claps that gradually get quicker as the bowler runs in so of course all the crowd kind of joined in and then first ball of that Brooks pulled out of his run up I don't know whether he that was a genuine kind of niggly lost his run up or he was just playing to the crowd or whatever but then bang Burgess plays a really loose shot outside off stump nicks off to steve davis the crowd goes wild two balls later he's got danny briggs out he, he gets another one it was just it was just surreal i've never experienced anything like it in championship cricket just that buzz and that atmosphere and then what flipped it round is i don't know if you i mentioned this to you auntie i don't know if you kind of got this ben from being up in the box but after tea it was a really eerie atmosphere there there was it was the ground mm. was virtually hushed it was you know, in anticipation of this win, but boy, what a job the Somerset faithful did as 12th man, um, you know, making some noise in the crowd. I'm not sure whether the Warwickshire batsman will admit or not whether it put them off or not, but it, it must have contributed. I think it just goes to show, doesn't it, that that, that, that can play, play a part in, in championship cricket. I think, um, Anthony, you would have noticed it at the Oval last, last week when on that Saturday evening, again, that the Surrey crowd were, were getting mm. really on on the um, in, involved in the game and, and I'm sure that contributed to that last ball wicket of, of Peter Siddle on the penultimate evening because the atmosphere there was was really one of, one of the best I've seen in, in in a championship game and I think it was almost a replication of that down it um, down here at Taunton this week but yeah it was fantastic to see I think you know with that um, coinciding with the NHS um, day mm. that we did we saw a lot of new people at the ground so a lot of that was there a lot of people saw their first experience of championship cricket that day and and and, and based on the comments i've i've seen a lot of people went home thinking they're going to come back which is uh, which is awesome yeah it's not always like that <laughs> <laughs> they changed their day well yeah that was a really good day to have it yeah we wouldn't have uh, yeah yeah Somebody told me on Twitter, Mark Long on Twitter, said it was Tom Panton who starts. I think he relayed it, Anthony, from what I saw. I think he was fielding nearer that crowd and picked it up from the slips and sort of that's what conveyed it to the crowd from what I saw. 
it it seems a very Matt Renshaw thing to do. Start doing yeah. something like that, thinking outside the box. I'm, and just I'm really the glad involved. Ian that he has still got the the man child in him that we saw four <laughs> years ago. And that although he's grown up and he's now a, a really top serious player, who must be on the verge of the Aussie Test side because that was a a magnificent mature innings. You know, not only did he score big, but he he took the game away from the county champions in that first session and a half. But I'm glad to see that he's still got that that bit that you know drove. Yeah. I know drove people a bit bonkers four years ago. It's lovely. It's really nice to see, and long may it continue. Yeah, if he can just channel that and not not use it uh, use it for a positive and not get himself into too much trouble with it, I think that's it's an absolutely brilliant thing. Should we talk about Renner? So him and uh, Tom Lumbee opened the batting after being stuck in by Will Rhodes uh, on that first morning. And that did not turn out to be a very, very good decision in the end. But, I mean, I mentioned this to you and I bumped into you on, on Thursday, Anthony. We probably both would have bowled first as well. It felt that felt like that kind of day. Well, that's what, that's what Matt Renshaw said. That He didn't actually say for definite that Somerset would have bowled first. What he said was, if I'd been captain, I would have bowled, bowled first. And, you know, it was a perfectly understandable decision by, by Will Rose. You know, it was a t- hint of green about, about the pitch. Somerset's batting is, you know, uh, lacking in, in confidence. Um, and under cloudy skies, you'd expect the ball to, to swing. But it, um, it was one of those... The, um, the, the ironic thing is that in, of the seven games that we lost in succession, in six of them, we won the toss. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> and that and the one this one against Warwickshire was a very very good toss to lose. Anthony's just frozen. To... Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> sorry. You, I think you the pitches just... are um, the, the, the pitch that that's got produced. I think it's a really interesting point because uh, we we just spoke about that that delivery that, that Jack Leach bowled to Will Rhodes in the, in the second innings is almost like a. You know that that started the slide, and it's certainly shown that the value of, of Jack in 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 the second innings. But I don't recall the foot that definitely turned out of the footholes, um, and I don't recall that happening too often in the last few years. Of, of, of it, the pitches have generally got better as the mm. as the game's gone on, so you can understand why Will Rhodes did decide to to, to bowl first because the traditional sort of taunton trajectory of the pitch would mean that it, actually on the fourth day it would be at its best for batting, but um, I thought that was a really interesting um, development that, that, that there was a bit of deterioration out of some footholes, which might be the, the way in which we can make the most out of Jack Leach mm. moving forward into to games that we can allow the pitches to deteriorate and take spin in the third and fourth days rather yeah. than off the, off the bat off in day one, because we're clearly not going to be able to have too much leeway with starting the pitches as they were a few years back but if we can de- keep developing pitches that deteriorate um i think that that's a that's a really good sign and, and hats off to scott and his team for, for making that happen because i know it's not easy no i mean i i know literally next to nothing about pitch preparation but it it, it must be more of an art than a science to try and get it get a pitch to behave in the way that suits your team i exactly what you just said ben Spin on days three and four, and you know, good for batting on days days two and uh, one and two. <clears throat> there's a there's a very worrying trend, though. I think not with us, but around the championship. I mean, Anthony picked up on this at the Rose Bowl and said that that pitch was dying as the game went on. 
and you know it neville road was a road sorry the seat unique stadium was a road clearly and you look around the country i mean durham second innings lease and dixon put on about 190 odd for the first wicket and they were under pressure and that pattern was repeated all around the place um and i do i do it does really get my goat as people who read the blog will know that you know i've got people who will jump on as soon as we have a a slightly unusual fall of wickets Edwards was oh, talking up to his old tricks again but that was the perfect pitch for four-day cricket and there were an awful lot of very imperfect pitches and i for one will be really interested to see what they produce in bristol 10 days time yeah it would have been interesting to see how that pitch had, would have behaved on the fourth day yeah and, and i think we're interested you know i think somerset bowled bowled really really well but i think for warwickshire to be bowled out twice as they were in in and the fact that nobody really went on and got a got a big score i think they'll be kicking themselves particularly with the four you know it was um we probably might have got on it about sort of three o'clock yesterday had them had that game gone but the fact that, that that on a pitch that you know there were runs there there were runs out there there's no question no matter how how well somerset were bowling i think warwickshire will be absolutely kicking them yeah they were about 84 for three with 50 overs to go weren't they and that you know that it that's not a long way away in Championship cricket, is it? That fifty overs yeah. can go like that if you bat properly and, and get their the heads down. I mean, we were we were just on the verge of you know shoulders were going down a bit, heads were going down, and then it went just, quiet, didn't it? Yeah, it Yeah, and you notice it when Somerset go quiet because we are one of the most vocal teams uh, but Ian, around we the said circuit. Last week and probably the week before and the week before that on here. We need to produce surfaces that back our bowlers to bowl other sides out because we've got a superb bowling attack. And that, you know, you could write that in letters 10 foot high across the internet this week because that's been proven. You know, and much as we admire Abbott and Abbas or, you know, the people up at Yorkshire that are, are pretty impressive, Lancashire got a very good bowling attack, especially with Jimmy Anderson around, I will still give our Overton and co a a run at being better on on an equal footing than any of those and that was proved proved its point and if we start if we can consistently put runs together you know then we should we should be aspiring to be nearer the top end of the table than the bottom end of the table come the start of september yeah and that like i said that was a perfect cricket wicket really you know Jack Brooks, um, he was expensive, but I think if you're going to use him in that role of being a pitch-up swing bowler, looking to get the batsman driving, mm. looking to find the edge, then I think you know he's he's fulfilled his role absolutely perfectly. Yeah. I'd see both of them used to do that quite often, go at three and a half, four and over. Yep. Joel Garner was going at one and a half, and they weren't too shabby as a combination, you know. Yeah, exactly. I mean, if he's... This is why uh, the team that took the field at, down at the Aegeus Bowl was um, was always going to struggle to win because if you have Jack Brooks pitching it up, swinging it, trying to get wickets going at you know four, five, and over, you can have that in an attack where Josh Davies going for one and over, Craig Overton's going for one and a half and over, and Lewis Gregory's going for two and over. When you've got two rookies like um, Old Ned Leonard and Casey Aldridge coming in who aren't able to bowl dry, then Jack Brooks isn't doesn't you know quite fulfil that. Uh, that miserly role that uh, that the others can do. Speaking of roles, one thing I think has helped 
Tom Lammer being no end over the last couple of games is be, going back to being the junior, if that's the right word, the junior opener <laughs> in the partnership. Because mm. let's not forget, yeah. he is only sort of 20, what was he, 22, 21, 22 now about that? Mm. And being out there learning off Matt Renshaw and not feeling the, the pressure of being the senior opener at such a young age is helping him no end at all. It's helping Matt Renshaw as well because he said he, he, Matt Renshaw likes to take first ball. Tom Lamarie doesn't like to take first ball. So, you know, it's, it's, it's a very good combination and they batted really well. I mean, that partnership was really the foundation. That yep. one was yep. 137 and then 85 or something for the second wicket. Those two partnerships were the foundation of, of the win because, you know, even even though we had a mid-innings collapse as, as per usual, we had enough runs on the board to put real scoreboard pressure on, on Warwickshire and give, give our bowlers something to bowl at for, for a change. It was, it, it was just such a huge difference from what we've been used to in most of the last well, seven, seven or eight games. Mm-hmm. Great stuff. Tom Banton. Continue. And also fair credit, sorry, fair credit to Tom Banton. Because that, yeah. although he didn't make many on the Friday morning, that was a proper number four's innings, getting us through that last phase of the first day. If he'd have gone, you know, we could have been resuming on, I say only 300 for seven, but you know what I mean? In the context of where we got to, we could have been only 300 for seven. And I thought that was a proper first-class number four's batting performance. He sensed, he sensed the situation. He batted to the situation. He showed a lot of maturity and a lot of self-restraint. And I got a huge amount of admiration for that innings, although it won't hit the headlines. Yeah, I thought the way he batted, he seems to have uh, kicked the little T20 devil off his shoulder. He doesn't look like he's reeling himself back in and, and trying to stop himself playing big shots. He looks like he's he's out there and he, he knows his role. He's obviously worked a lot over the winter on his, on his red ball batting and he really does look a lot more calm and a lot more assured at the crease. But then you know that if the the need comes, he can go out there and smash fifty off twenty five balls if you need him to. So really happy with that. I think that clarity of him batting in the top four or maybe even five. But but I think that clarity is has really helped. You know, and and I think it's easily forgotten back in twenty nineteen when um, a lot of it was made of his white ball form. Actually, his his red ball form was was very good. Actually, in that that year, I remember Guildford he. He came in in really tough, tough circumstances. Yeah. Yeah. It's more than and scored. I think it might have only been sixty, but it's probably worth one hundred and sixty in the context of the of the match. I'm pretty sure we were thirty to three or something against uh, a good bowling attack. So um, he definitely can bat in four day cricket, and and I think him, him coming in at four gives him that clarity to say, you know, you're going to bat properly. You know, you've got to build in innings. This is very different to, to white ball cricket. Whereas I think when he was coming in at six, it was almost kind of like halfway house. You know, it's almost mm. like a, a little too frenetic. And mm. even mm. when he was opening the batting, I felt I felt that he was give, he would didn't have that clap. You know, was he going to try out and play some shots opening the batting and trying to take put the pressure back on the bowlers, or was he trying to just survive the new board? But I think four is a, is a really good good position for for him in that in that lineup if he's going to play in that manner. He just needs to get the monkey of not having scored a century off his back. He needs he needs to get a hundred. It's preying on his mind at the moment. Um, but I do like the, the the little shot he plays where to a ball you know on or around off stump where he angles the bat down and just lets it run off the face of the bat down down through the slips to to third man. That's a really good way of of playing 
on a pitch like the one we had against, against Warwickshire where it's doing a little bit uh, because you know you're taking advantage of a little bit of width without putting yourself really at risk because the ball is going straight down the way he angles it angles his bat it's not pretty but it's very very effective and um, I, I was very impressed but I, you know I just I, I want to see him get a hundred and I think once he's once he's got a hundred I think he'll be an even better middle order batsman but I think he. I think he's nailed down that that number four spot now in the Somerset middle order. I couldn't agree more. Someone whose spot is in. We we couldn't have an episode without highlighting a little bit of a negative. Is Steve Davis's current form with a bat to me is not symptomatic of somebody with an incredibly clear mind and in good form. He batted. He batted really well. He was he was batting beautifully when he ran himself out. <laughs> <laughs> there was the uh, the picture on uh, on social media of the scorecard: Steve Davis run out miles, run out by miles, which <laughs> yeah, which was the obvious joke to make. But it was a bit of a silly single. I didn't, I, I wasn't up there. I wasn't up there Friday. I didn't see it, but it, it did seem to be. It was never a single. Hit it there. straight to the I fielder and. It was just a bit of brain fade. You know, it happens to the best. Like Anthony was saying, that that period on the on the first evening when he did come in, and and, and it could have, you know, it could have quite. How many times have we seen, you know, like in the Oval on on day one of the Oval, that that kind of you know good start becoming sort of just get drained away into a fifty fifty day, but but he he did play really well that that evening to sort of maintain Somerset's stranglehold on the, on the day. So. Um, yeah, just that's just you know I I don't think we're in a territory yet where we're, we're questioning whether Steve Davis should be giving up the gloves. So um, I'd go but, further, Ben. I'd actually say I don't want Tom Banton to keep wicket in four day cricket. I want him oh yeah, to have I a agree. season, a season and a half where he just bats, and if he keeps wicket and carries on keeping wicket in the T Twenties, that he's used to that role. You know, I, I, that's just to me. Why, why, if it ain't broke, don't fix it in that regard. And you know, people, people also forget. You know, England for years had a guy called Bob Taylor keeping wicket. Somerset for years had a guy called Derek Taylor keeping wicket. Who, until latterly, got moved up the order and scored 170 on the first time he opened. He was a number nine who probably averaged about a dozen or 15, but he was an automatic pick because he was just silk with the gloves. And, you know, all the time Steve Davis is contributing, man of that experience as well, we can't tell, even you can't tell, Ben or Anthony being up close all the time, we can't tell what value he adds to talking to Craig in slips between O's and little things he says, which, you know, with all due respect to Tom Banton or James Drew when he, he comes back from exams, they can't provide that at the moment. They'll learn it in time, but... You know, if we have turned a corner and we have we've turned a corner, but we don't know if we're on a, a straight yet, do we? You just you've just got to have, that experience is priceless. And you know, I always think if if Steve Davis said, you know, at the end of the season, I'm leaving Somerset. How many counties in would we'll have him? Yeah. Still, and I think that's what you've got to remember. So let's let's just remember that and give the guy some credit. And if his mind is a bit frazzled at the moment and he runs himself out of place to silly shot. He'll be working as hard as anyone, I'm sure, to rectify that. Yeah. And he's caught yeah. brilliantly and, and kept brilliantly all mm. summer. Yeah. I think it's actually, I know we touched on it earlier, but 
actually the whole cordon have been been great all season so far. You know, Matt Renshaw in particular, Craig Overton. Some of the catches have just yeah. been out of this world. I mean, the one that the one that Tom Abel took at, at third slip. I mean, the one that Renshaw took when he was you know diving down to his left. Craig mm. Overton is you know he's prehensile in. Mm. And just, what, and what does prehensile mean? Um, it means that you you can stretch out your arm or your a limb to a greater extent than you would ex than, than would seem physically possible. Oh, thank you. Stretchy. There we go. <laughs> no, it's a bit. It's, it's like stretch it's like reach, the toys. reach beyond <laughs> expectation, probably, because yeah, it's been used in the animal kingdom, isn't it? Exactly. Oh, there yeah. we go. See, you learn something new every day. Yeah, I mean, education on a Monday oh, evening. Oh, absolutely. Eh? Yeah. So Renshaw, yeah, and the, my two wickets in, in the commentary box in my little stint, uh, yeah, it was Overton and Abel, both taking really good low catches. So mm. I don't, yeah, we didn't put a chance down, did we? There was one, well, there was one really tough one that may have come off thigh pad, I think, that Steve Davis got one glove to, but I, I, there's I probably don't not. I, I don't think that was a chance. No, no. So just being, I'm not going anything against Steve Davis for the last. <laughs> from the last 10 minutes it might sound like James Bruce stuffed 50 quid in my pocket to try and uh, talk him into the team but yeah that was an absolute yeah the the one that uh, he did manage to grab was an absolute uh, it would have been an absolute worldie if he'd taken it over but um, yeah just looking through the bowling figures really I mean for bowling out the county champions twice it was a real team effort Lewis Gregory I thought looked back to somewhere near his best certainly he, w he didn't look like he was being restrained by any <laughs> thoughts of a bad back or anything like that he was steaming in and giving it some licks yeah and Josh Davey was yeah. Josh Davey was doing Josh Davey things again as Dan likes yeah. to say you know no that's Josh Davey watches Dan's Roloff and Merva doing Roloff and Merva things is mine but Josh Davey I'm, can mixing, do, my, I'm mixing my metaphors mixing yeah. your metaphors but you know Josh Davey can do Josh Davey things if he likes um, but, it, but it could have gone much better, really, could it, in terms of, you know, their injury doubts. You know, I, know, I remember, Anthony, when we walked away from the over yeah. after that. Fourth we day, were worried. We were worried <laughs> about, you know, primarily Lewis Gregory, but also, obviously, Craig Overton's um, toe injury and also Josh Davey appeared to, um, you know, tweak something. So, you know, to have all three of them recover in time and, and help Somerset take 20 wickets was, you know, a, a really good good result as it could have been a lot worse <laughs> and we did it without peter siddle as well which is the yeah. one the one we weren't talking about on last week's episode as being an injury doubt the three that we thought would be dodgy played and the the one that was it in the warm-up he got a stomach strain or side strain no he according to steve kirby he actually steve kirby was saying with peter siddle if peter siddle says he's fit to play he's fit to play and if he does he isn't and he said he came to him on the thursday morning and said I, I'm touch and go. I don't think I should play. But, yeah. you know, he's carried a lot of heavy work the first mm -hmm. three games, so he's now had a two-week break. And he came on as a sub and fielded as a sub for a while. So that, you know, that's probably work. You know, if you rest yeah. your overseas <laughs> quick bowler and win by an innings and then give him a week off as well, happy day. Yeah, that's... You know, that's yeah, there's a long season. There's a long season. Brooks, though. Oh, you have? But it's a long because season. It'll and be, gonna, it'll be Jack who makes way for it's in at Bristol, won't it? Has to be. Yes. Uh, and no, uh, yeah. no other changes to the side. Leave Fingers crossed, is. injuries permitting, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. It it's a, a good position to be in, isn't it? And, and, you know, when you look back at 
some of the, the the teams that we had to select at the back end of last season to to have that depth of, of, of fast bowler and still maintain that quality of attack is um, is a, is a really good sign heading into the to another you know massive game up at Bristol. Yeah, and with it being a very congested season, you you can't reasonably expect all those those four quick bowlers to play every single game. So that they won't, especially when two of them are Peter Siddle and Jack Brooks, who are you know rapid, not quite rapidly approaching forty, but nearer certainly nearer <laughs> forty than thirty five. You are going to have to rest and rotate, and uh, you know, like we said, it's great. And Martin Martin is taking wickets for fun in the seconds. I know it's the seconds, but he's bowled the seconds to a couple of good wins the last couple of weeks. Sonny Baker was bowling, I believe, on the outfield. He was just running. He wasn't intervals. bowling. He was just. I think he was just running. Just yeah. doing some sprints. Yeah. Well, that's a, that's an improvement. So you know, it's a nice little segue into the seconds who are playing in, uh, against Gloucester today. Uh, they're away. Uh, they were about two hundred and twenty for one. This is where I realised again. Two twenty-six I... for one, sixty-eight overs early end of the day. Ben Green, one hundred and thirty-one, not out. Lewis. Goldsworthy sixty-three not out. There we go. So both making it's a case for, for recollection. I don't think Ben Green will. What sort of what sort of a team are the Gloucesters putting out? Is it good? Yeah, oh, good side? question. I, I will tell you in a second. I know we've got a very strong side out. Eh? Yeah, strongish, um, strongish. Joshua, um, Goodman, who played against Somerset last year in the first yeah. team. George Scott, Warner. I think he played against. Uh, yeah, couple of games in the first team this year. Shaw, Scott, Taylor are the name, and Charlesworth are the names that you recognise. Um, oh, and Jamie Baird is back keeping wicket, so he's been away. Whether he's had exams as well, so you know. And I'm interested to see that Casey Aldridge is slated to bat six, so he's been working his way up the order because he's been scoring runs. So, yeah, and Ned Leonard, Martin Delanger and Ollie Sale, which is a pretty formidable first three in your bowling attack in the second team. And seconds watch will be up sometime tomorrow morning, everyone. So that seems to be be getting really well received. Martin, and, Martin uh, not sent his copy in yet. He, he, he sends it in while we're recording, Ian. He's, he'll probably WhatsApp me in a minute while we're recording. Uh, right, yeah, you, well, you need it. to set these deadlines, Steve. Come on, you've got to be an editor. You've got to be firm with these people, you know, or they'll take you for a mug. I do have a life... <laughs> I do have a life as well, you know, mate. <laughs> Speak. I'll tell you what, speaking of having a life, my mood as I left the county ground on Saturday night has made me realise how much that bloody cricket team affect my, affect my mood, so. have affected my mood so. over the last three months. So I was absolutely buzzing. And I thought, I haven't felt like this since probably the semi-final of the T20. Yeah. yeah. And I'm sure many yeah. of our listeners will be will be thinking the same. And speaking, Paul of... Edwards wrote. Sorry, quickly. And Paul Edwards was down, and he wrote. And uh, I, I mean, Paul Edwards is just brilliant. He's a sort of level of cricket writing. I think I'd I'd just love to be even close to. But he says about how basically at no other ground and no other club in the country does he sense that. You know, and he's a he's a proper man of Lancashire, and he I think you if you you forced him to admit he'd probably say Somerset is second side, and he says that about you know it it's we are as a club so interwoven into the community, not just of all the fabulous community stuff we do, but 
you know, I've seen it. We've been in town and walking down on a non-match day, and you see, I think the last time it was Jack Brooks, Lammers, and Ben Green just walking through the town, you know? And that's always as it has been, always as it has been since I was a child. And I think that it really does affect us all in a way. Mm. It certainly did my family when I was a kid growing up. You know, I had aunts and uncles who'd be miserable if Somerset won. Uh, and I think the flip is true. And you just sense it from yeah, the simple, simple metric. How many people go onto the blog after a good day's play compared mm-hmm. to a bad day's play? It's just stark. It really is. And, yeah, you know. I, I read that piece from Paul Edwards. It was like a poem. It was a, just a really, really excellent piece. I think I retweeted it. I'll retweet it again. But it's it's definitely worth reading. Um, the report, uh, Paul's report on the match. Yeah, I've retweeted them all, so people can jump on my Twitter and see it as well. Right, so listeners have been firing in the questions this week. Uh, these aren't going to be, should we sack uh, Jason Kerr? What are you going to do about the batting order for the next game? We've got some lovely positive points. And the first one uh, is for you, Ben, which is, I think, a general inquiry about the live stream. There were some uh, specific questions. As you can tell, I'm incredibly prepared. And it was Rob Reed who says, what plans does Ben have to develop the already excellent live streaming service? Additional cameras, question mark. Does this have a budget, question mark. Can it generate its own funding, question mark. And YouTube ads between overs, question mark. So, Ben, fire away. Maybe give us some more general uh, kind of a background of how the live stream has, has developed over the last couple of years. Yeah, no worries. So thanks for the question, Rob. So, yeah, um, definitely on a, on a good course of, of, of improvements with it. It's been a, been a great journey so far. So the biggest source of revenue is through sponsorship. So um, if you watch the stream, you'll notice a few product placement ads around the around the joint and a few bits and pieces that we do. So that is currently how we um, have a budget set attached to to the stream. So it is a sort of a, almost a sub section of the of the income stream to the club, and it's all kind of all sort of newly newly developed income which is um, which is great so yeah that we truly believe that um that keeping it free and keeping it accessible is is the way to go um we and in terms of advertising yes there is a we do take advantage of the youtube ads at the start um but still probably the the biggest income generator is 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 through our commercial sponsorships um giving them an asset as such as the stream to to make use of um lots of lots of plans to improve it um it's getting harder and harder to improve it without spending serious serious money um but 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 we're trying to make um lots of lots of improvements as we as we go through so um yeah happy to take suggestions if any of the listeners got any ideas and how they want to see it improved always happy to uh, to take suggestions but yes additional cameras um Lots of bits, different pieces around data is something that we want to improve, um, and yeah, just kind of keeping it, keeping it sort of a real sort of community project where people can feel really invested in it. Um, we're not here just to film the cricket; we're there to kind of make it a bit of an entertainment product. So yeah, having people like Shep and and, and, <laughs> and Big Marks and Peter Trigo involved was. Uh, I'm glad I got top billing yeah. ahead of Vic and Trigo. So <laughs> no, he was building up. Yeah, yeah. I mean, fine. just going on to Rob's point about the YouTube ads between overs, you can't really do that, can you? You can't just click a button on YouTube to say show an ad, and if they show a two and a half minute ad between overs or whatever, it, it, it's difficult that way, isn't it? You can't. 
you can't yeah, really do that. It, it's possible, <laughs> but probably it starts to border on the intrusive kind of, you know, we don't want to overpower people with commercial elements to it. Um, you know, it, it's very much kind of, we want to keep it so that it's a, it's a pretty clean, clean watch, but there is what we do do commercially is sort of well, well received, um, Trade Nation, for example, WPA, there are two sort of premier sponsors that will do the, do the sort of the game shows at halftime and all that sort of good stuff. So, um, yeah, we, we, we could do more, but it, it's a balance between making a quick buck and keeping it a good experience mm. for, for people. Yeah, I mean, I was, I was sort of speaking to you um, up there on, on Saturday, Ben, and a lot of it, the improvements you want to make is dependent on the, the software provider that you're using, is it? And I gather that they're more interested more interested in working on trains than doing the, the live streaming side of things, which sounds weird, but Ben will kind of clarify what I mean. Yeah, it's, it's a pretty neat, it's a, um, yeah, it's such a niche kind of um, thing to get involved with cri- county cricket streaming. So a lot of the, the, the the partners that we work with to uh, to make it happen is um but yeah it's just it's a great great journey and i think it's it's really weird to remember even a couple of years ago we were off two static cameras one at either end so it's it's pretty cool to think how, where we've got to in a couple of years and, and where it might end up in the next couple of years would be be cool to to look forward so i suppose if you went to gordon holland and say gordon can i have X amount of money we'll, we'll have Hawkeye and, and that sort of thing. Do you think? Uh, well, I I've you've got, got to I've... put a business case for everything. But one thing yeah. that that I am thinking about with the streams, which is isn't beyond the realms of possibility, is do you, you know the third umpire for line decisions came in in about ninety two, ninety three, something like that. Um, so, do you think that will be in county cricket, given that we've got streaming and cameras going on? Do you think that will be a possibility? Do you think that we'll start to see the third umpire coming more into the domestic game on the back of live streaming, or do you think it will still be just on the broadcasters' technology that they're relying? Yeah, it's a really good point. There's no reason why there's no reason why it couldn't happen. You know, most we we could all provide line cameras for not much. Um, I guess I guess it just depends on the the ECB and how they see. The, that technology being rolling, I guess they'd have to employ a third umpire at all the all the grounds and that sort oh, of thing. We can do but... it between us. I'm sure we could manage. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I don't know if there's a massive kind of demand for it, um, but but certainly the technology is pretty pretty available now. Really, to have third umpires for for run out calls and and stumpings um, be pretty pretty straightforward. I would have thought. Yeah, but... I think. It... With the one thing that you can always guarantee about technology is it gets better and is and it gets cheaper. So I think it's going to be inevitable that we'll we'll probably be having DRS in the county game, maybe within the next ten years. Yeah, I I, I think the point about the technology becoming cheaper is a, it was a is a really valid one because what you know what what you're able to do now off you know a very simple setup is is amazing compared to what you would immediately sort of assume back in even four or five years ago um so you know in five more years time you're not probably a lot of the stuff we think is completely beyond the realms of possibility won't won't become a a much of a barrier so uh yeah just it's just great isn't it that that we can you know we can between everybody involved in county cricket and the fans play a huge role in this is to to try and 
get something that that everyone can can watch and and, and listen to and and however they want to consume their cricket and um, it just gives people a greater insight into the county game. And the best stream of the week was you trolling Warwickshire with the live stream of it just pissing it down at the at the county ground yesterday. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's, uh, missed out on me. Uh, missed out on me day four so far. So uh, yeah, <laughs> just it's just oh, I just still can't get over how they, how they batted after they were eighty off of three fifty. Can, I, can I just say, well, we're talking commentaries, and I I always listen to a fair part verbally as well as watch the stream, just a because of when I'm working, but b because it's how I was brought up consuming cricket, and, and c because I love Anthony's commentary. But I did feel for him, and I know he's far too professional to say anything, but I just wanted Clive Eakin to actually show a little bit of enthusiasm for county cricket. Because <laughs> it was like, you know, it would be like, and, and Cannon Dolby's picked up another wicket there. He's got four now. And, you know, and Anthony's going, oh, what a catch by Matt Renshaw. That's amazing. The guy on Saturday was much better, I thought. And then yeah. I, was, I was on the point, of, if I'd have been there, I'd have gone into the commentary cabin and said, I'll do the third voice for you, Anthony, for a while or whatever you want me to, just to give Anthony a break, because he didn't have a third voice, and it was just wearing me down listening. So props to you, Anthony, for, for getting... And then on the Friday, he had to leave. Presumably, it was Stourbridge against Bromsgrove or something. He had no, to go... Coventry, Coventry City. Coventry City. All oh, right, sorry. But it's he is, pretty much the same thing, then. Clive is very professional, but he's a bit deadpan. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and he will admit himself to being a, a touch curmudgeonly in his approach to to, to everything. But he's he, he knows he knows the game in, inside out. But yeah, oh yeah, I know. But you had you had Shepherd and Trigo and Co getting really excited on <laughs> streaming, and Anthony trying to cajole a bit of atmosphere out of him. It was just I, it was just it was quite a nice juxtaposition. I tell I did feel really guilty, Anthony, being up there in in the gods with a perfect view of the ground and and just sort of. Peeking over yeah, now to you. Just, we won't go there, Shep. We won't go there. Could you not put the scorers down there, back? Ben, and give Anthony his commentary? Oh, no, I'm not going to go. Not going to go there. Not going to go there. <laughs> Don't you're, go asking, you're asking the wrong Can part. I just go? Just say oh, one thing. I tell you We've what, I tell you what, I do, need, I do need to know. Because I've been mean to ask this for ages. So, Ian Botham stand, you've got four or five hospitality boxes. And then you've got that bit that kind of juts out where the old yeah. little scoreboard used to be. What is that? What's yeah. in there? Uh, that is the control room. So that's where the operations and the all the stewarding is sort of led from so that they right. can see. It's got all the CCTV uh, cameras, bits and pieces and like that. So, if, uh, yeah, they've got a pretty good view of, of, of manning if people are uh, uh, need. <laughs> Unlike some of the rest of us, <laughs> don't go there. We won't <laughs> don't go there. Don't go there. Now we know. Ian, can I just say before you go back to questions, you and I have done really well because we've gone fifty minutes and we've not mentioned Rob Bailey and Alex Wolf once. So well done, you and me. Well, Alex Alex Wolf is close to coming off the list because yeah. there was probably a fifty-fifty LBW for Josh Davy that he gave. Well, I would, uh, it was it was a, a bit more dodgy than that. I would think. Well, was, yeah, I mean, I have got the list here. Sixty-four. Where, you know, where is it? Forty-six. No, Ian. Ian, that 
That is a, a resignation matter if you ever take him off the list, I'm afraid. I'm sorry, he's, that's a red line. Well, I have had a, I've had a very busy day and I've had a, uh, I've had a bottle of Thatcher's Vintage, which is 7.4%, so I probably yeah, shouldn't have any more if I want to <laughs> be fit for work in the morning. But, yeah, he's he's no, he's enhanced no. his reputation. Well, he, he is more welcome at Somerset than he was, uh, than he was a few weeks ago. He's been nice to somebody today. <laughs> The odd thing is, Alex Wharf is a not-outer. He's one of the, um, you know, I'm on Steve Pittard's table of umpires. He's right down. I know he's a bloody not-outer. Just ask yeah. Alistair Cook. He's a not-player as Leach. well, Anthony, as we remember. And he, had, he had every reason for, for giving that not-out, that, that uh, Josh Davey LBW decision. But, and he thought about it, and then it would have nicked leg stump, I think. Well... He, he's, he's obviously a listener and he's desperate to get himself off the list and he's done nothing to... Uh, yeah, I, thought, I thought the umpires were good, actually, in this game. I don't... I, up, at, up at the... Oval, we haven't said covered. anything negative. I'm no? just well, we, we've it's funny, you don't say much negative when you beat the county champions by an innings at 80-odd. <laughs> the best umpires no, in the we, world. Up, up at the Oval, there were some really duff, dis, duff decisions. There were, yeah. Bounce got a bit of a shocker, didn't he? And there was a couple of others... Right, moving on there. So uh, we did one question that's taken us about 20 minutes and nearly caused a fight between Ben and Anthony, so we better move on then. Uh, 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 Andy Cleave comments, raining in Taunton this morning. Yes, well, that was uh, that was posted yesterday. Uh, blah, 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 blah. Uh, uh, this is from Andy Cleave as well. Uh, who does Siddle come in for, for Gloucester next week? I think we'll cover that in depth when we look ahead to the Gloucester game next week. And couple from John Hayes. Uh, given our performance and result and the other results in the division, is the title still on? Absolutely. It is mathematically possible and uh, we are playing as we should. So, um, yeah, totally happy with that. Unless we well, any... yes, except, except, except. We're not going to be very well placed come September. We've we've got to win two or three more games because we're going to be without... We won't have Renshaw and we won't have Siddle. We probably won't have Leach and we probably won't have Overton either. Yeah, but we might have Devon Conway. I'm looking at Ben. Do you know... Do you know? Oh, you should know all these things, Ben. I don't know. <laughs> uh, and John's second point is England reset. Should Division 2 players, Stuart Broad, etc. be considered? Listening to Pete Trigo, maybe not. Well... I don't think Stuart Broad's getting into the England side on the back of taking a bucket full of Division 2 wickets this year, uh, John. I think he's getting into the England side on the back of the 500, 600-odd uh, test wickets he's taken in his career. But uh, unless we've got any... Well, any that's almost that? you're going down the route of making Division 2 non-first class, aren't you? That's that's the danger that you get teams you know, parked in that division, probably is already. Yeah. I'm and, you know, we know... Stuart Broad, let's not forget, started at Leicester. Mm-hmm. There's been some quite interesting cricket playing in Division Two this year. So that has well, okay. you've got you've got Pujara, Rizwan, Labuschagne. Yeah, I mean, Marnus Labuschagne is going to play for Australia, and he's just getting hundreds of Division Two. So you don't know, but yeah. that just as a kind of a rolling on from that point, if we do go to three three divisions, what you're seeing you're saying about devaluing Division 2 runs, it'll be magnified tenfold with Division 3 runs, and you will just see an exodus of talented players from whichever counties are in that bottom six, and it, I, I think they'll struggle to survive to be honest, so I think keeping it at two divisions 
is just about right. Uh, <coughs> if you go to three, that's it. Mm. You're just gonna you you're gonna get rid of six counties, which they may want to do. I don't know. Anyway, moving on. Uh, any more questions? I don't. Th- oh, there was one more. Can shout out to yeah. David Wyatt who t- tweeted something, and he was he was asking them mm. uh, about the the Siddle Brooks leaving out, and he mentioned Hildreth and Davis, which we've talked about. Um, but I just wanted to say well done, David, because I know he's a really passionate Chelsea fan, so it must have been quite hard for him yesterday afternoon, this morning, to type very much through the, <laughs> oh, through they, the anger yeah, of what happened Everton, at Goodison yesterday. Oh, dear. Uh, well, yeah. Spencer was happy, I believe. He was. Uh, yeah, so we've done David's first point about uh, the Siddle Brooks selection quandary. Hildreth and, David aren't, uh, Hildreth and Davis aren't building on starts. How many more games? Well, not sure about that. And Overton and Gregory are currently bowlers and not all-rounders. Well, I just think Craig Overton certainly is in a pretty miserable run of form with a bat. But, oh, I think Anthony's come back in. I thought it got a bit quiet. Let's let Anthony back in. Yeah, I think just... I mean, Lewis has had a bit of a... You know, in and out of the side, he's had injuries, and mm. I think Craig is just out of form. I mean, it's yeah. you know, Craig seems I to mean, be getting out the same sort of way as he struggled in Test cricket with that ball just nipping back. So, uh, yeah, yeah, I'm sure we're working hard. Look, on that. It's a good job he's in pretty I'm decent not... nick with the ball, then, isn't it? <laughs> but <laughs> it's it's one of those things. I don't think it's fair to say Craig's out of form because he's not really. He's had good balls early on, you know. The, the ball yeah. that got him for, on Thursday, uh, Friday. If he'd have been in ten, twenty balls, he wouldn't have left a gap like that. He's not, you know. I think it was Mike Brearley once was asked playing for England, "Can you continue to captain the side when you're out of form?" And he said, "I don't know. I'm in the right form. <laughs> I haven't faced enough balls for England this year to to know." And I think it's a bit like that. And you know. The, the thing is, when uh, you've got the buffer as well. When you've got Josh and Jack coming in nine and ten, yeah, <laughs> you know yeah, we're batting all the way down, just, aren't we? Yeah, exactly. You know, if if you say got a Tom Banton left, and when we do lose Craig and Lewis quickly, you've still got two guys, and and Siddle's no mug with the bat. He hasn't shown it yet, no. but he's no mug with the bat. You know, you could easily see the last three wickets batting thirty, forty overs again. Um, and, and I think Jack Brooks, Jack Brooks scoring some runs actually really boosted his confidence then, mm. all because mm. he hadn't actually scored any runs for a while. Mm. So. Sorry, I'm absolutely desperate uh, for a pee. Talk amongst yourselves. Keep going. I'll be back in a sec. <laughs> so I, I think that that innings, <laughs> that innings that he played um, when he when he when he started to look like kind of having a bit of fun, like the old Jack Brooks kind of. Mm. With his batting, I think it did have a big role to play with with the confidence he then took in with with, with the ball because, uh, you know, like I said, it had been a while since he's sort of been. You know, I know in his first summer with with Somerset, he played some really good, good made some really good contributions with the bat, and then again in 2020, he he got that 70 odd didn't he against uh, obviously Glamorgan when he was he got on a lot of runs yep. with Steve Day. But the runs have rather dried up for, for Jack when he'd been in and out of the side. So, um, you know, again, we're talking about little, these little things during the course of a game that, that can have a big impact. And I think that that last wicket partnership with Jack Leach definitely kept kept us well ahead of the game. It's the it's the intangibles, isn't it, Ben? You know, you if you tried and analyse what was the difference between that performance and the performance at the Oval, it's you know, it, as Anthony said. You know, we've caught very well all season. Maybe we haven't had the rub of the green occasionally, and we've 
we've not put partnerships together, but everything else has been fine. And you sort of feel, like Ian said, you walk away on Saturday feeling good about life. Not to get carried away, but you feel good about life. But it is that confidence, momentum. I know a lot of people hate it, but they're all... And part of me is like, why haven't we got a game this week? Because, But actually, I think... It's I an ECB it's conspiracy, Steve. Good. They knew we were going to win this week, so <laughs> they thought, well, we'll stop them getting any momentum, and this is going to be Somerset's blank week. But I think even a little bit, sure. like, like the the two, you know, the Ben Green and the Lewis Goldsworthy partnership for the twos today, you know, those are just signs again of, you know, even that wasn't happening a couple of weeks ago. Even the twos weren't scoring. I know Van der Merwe got 100, but there certainly wasn't that 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 pressure for places in, in the top order. But even now, there's going to be, you know, at least a, a, a conveyor belt of people that, that are asking the question of, of, of the head coach. So It's a bit like um, England, wasn't it? When You know, when Zach Crawley got dropped, he didn't earn his place back. He just had to wait for it to be his turn. And I think now you've got... Now you've got a top order that's you know posted four fifty, batted really well together. You, the players are in the seconds and now thinking, oh, I'm going to have to earn my place back rather than just wait for somebody to be dropped because they're not in form. Yeah, quite right. And, and it takes a huge weight off Tom Abel because we've said on here for the last few weeks, he's he's almost he's known that if he gets out, it's it's not great. You know, he he can perhaps play with a little more freedom now because he thinks, well, you know. If one of the top two above me is going to have already got runs when I go in, and I know that between Bant and Hildreth Davies in the lower order, we're going to get some runs as well. That is a completely different mindset. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, he, is, he is playing with more freedom as well. Last mm. couple of innings especially. I mean, he was he was looking really, really good in both. Yeah, of he the hit classes. the ground running, didn't he, on Thursday? He really did. <clears throat> one final question then from Mike Unwin. Is spontaneous <laughs> clapping out of the long jump, chup jump, is that against the spirit of the county championship Mike I would do it every ball I think the strike I don't know what the stats are for that but I think the strike rate of of wickets per balls clapped is is probably about 25% so if we just did that for a morning we'd skittle them twice and then we'd be uh, in the ring of bells by team yeah we've got a competitive advantage over a lot of the other counties with the number you know so less in terms of the crowd numbers we get so let's use it absolutely mm. Right, yeah, that's listeners' questions. The one thing I meant to bring up at the uh, start, but I forgot, is uh, Marcus getting chucked out of his own pavilion. You probably know, <laughs> you probably know more about that than I do, Ben. Do you want to quickly tell us what happened on, uh, was it Thursday or Friday? Uh, yeah, I think it was Thursday. Um, and uh, Lachlan Stevens, again, was another one who was thrown out. Um, but the Trez, the Trez story was probably more... <laughs> The more famous, uh, famous one, but uh, yeah, yeah, not you're not you're not wrong that that, that Trez was uh, was was it was in and uh, in one of the unused hospitality uh, suites, just sort of watching the game and uh, minding his own business. But uh, um, yeah, he was uh, maybe mistaken for for a, for a non Marcus Druscothic person. Um, and and asked to, uh, but but Trez was a was yeah, he didn't. I'm pretty sure most people in that situation would have gone a little bit like, you know, that my my picture is literally on every single <laughs> wall as, you, as you've approached this this building. Um, but yeah, I'm I'm told he was very gracious and was just sort of <laughs> as you went. But so, yeah, it's just it's just it is quite hilarious because he he was in the far the far box, um, which is. Um, to get to it, you literally have to. Now that the the pavilion's been officially branded, 
um, you, you sort of there's almost like a walkway of pictures of Trez and all his career <laughs> stats and everything. So as you've gone through this walkway, um, just sort of seeing his face in all these different eras. <laughs> um, what, so, yeah. what did he say? Who do you think you are? <laughs> Uh, so yeah, I, I, I think it actually made Paul, Paul's uh, quick info report as well. On, on, uh, <laughs> What's happened to the steward then? Has he been uh, uh, reprimanded or has he been Because if Marcus doesn't have the proper accreditation, he shouldn't be in a members-only area. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, I mean, to be fair, the ECB have been slow with accreditation this year, so it might be that he just didn't have. Um, but uh, uh, no, and for, and I think it, I think it was all pretty laughed off um, in chest. Oh, great stuff! Well, I, I, to be fair, I've never been chucked out of the Marcus Chesterfield Pavilion yet, so um, I haven't been chucked out of the Roland van der Merwe Pavilion yet. So, uh, <laughs> mind you, having said that, this is the Roland van der Merwe Pavilion, and if Roloff just rocks up, he doesn't get just to come in here automatically. You know, he's he's got to be invited in, and he would yeah. be invited in with open arms. He's got to have his pass. You've got to have your pass. Hanging around his neck. Pass. Exactly. That's my pass. Just look at my face. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> right. We've done over an hour. It's been great, gents. Uh, do we have any other business before we uh, before we call it a night? Oh, I would just like to mention congratulations to the Somerset women who won both their games today at Taunton Vale. Yeah. Uh, good performance over. Um, they were playing Wales, um, so all the bits and pieces are on the Somerset website. And um, Dan Kingdom was was there, I know. So he's mm -hmm. uh, Kingdom's column will be the new yeah. Kingdom's column will be with us on next day. Yeah, so Dan, Dan isn't with us tonight. He's on a train back to Birmingham at the moment, so he he couldn't make it tonight. Um, but yeah, oh, interesting enough, the title of last week's podcast was uh, well, not the title, but the um, the brief description I popped in was "Why don't Somerset women." Uh, well, we wondered why Somerset women don't wear the same kit as the men, and Sophie Luff replied asking, good question, because I think most of the other counties do, so and I'm sure Trade Nation wouldn't be uh, averse to chucking a few extra, you know, a few guys. Yeah, if Sophie wants to get yeah. in touch, I'd be delighted to do a piece on her and the women on the blog, because Dan and I are really yeah. trying to expand it and Dan, this year, and we're hoping Abby Slade joins in a bit as well, so anything anyone can do who's listening, who's connected with Somerset women, please let us know because that's something we've wanted to do for a couple of years but a, a certain covid has messed it up for us so uh, i think yes, dan, please i think dan's going to send an email about it yet uh, so it'll be sorted in a, in a couple of days um but it is cool. on the radar it is on the radar it's, uh, it's, it's one of those things that's been like again it's been a covid i'll tell you what sort man, of, uh, just get 10 just get 11 shirts out of the shop get their names printed on the back and then give them out there you go see <laughs> the problem solved yeah. great stuff right well i've learned what prehensile means today so i'm uh i can uh i can pop that in my uh record of achievement but uh unless we've got anything else oh tom <coughs> banton liked my video of uh of the boys singing uh blackbird in the dressing room which was somewhat uh <laughs> somewhat rudely interrupted by uh mark tyler uh Mark Tyler reading out the bowling figures, but uh, yeah, it was glad to hear it. I'm glad they remember the words. It seems to have been a while since they've been able to sing it, but uh, glad we are that they were able to uh, to burst into Blackbird, singing it loud and singing it proud. If you want to give us a follow on Twitter, we're at Somerset Podcast. I think we're at Somerset Podcast on every social media. Uh, drop us an email at the Somerset Podcast at gmail.com. Uh, but unless we've got anything else pressing. Everyone's shaking nope. their head at me. 
good stuff right we will uh, reconvene in a week's time where we'll look forward to the trip the short trip up the m5 to take on the gloucesters on hopefully what will will be a a slightly more sporting pitch than was it 603 or outplayed 443 for two poor old james bracy third ball ducking in amongst all that never mind okay right thanks guys uh for steve ben and anthony uh, I wish you all a good night and I hope you're still celebrating Somerset's fantastic victory over the county championships, champions Warwickshire by an innings and 80-something runs. Good night, everyone. <laughs> good night, everyone. Good night. Cheers. <laughs>